On today's episode, the most effective calf and Achilles management with Luke Nelson. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me again on another episode. Um, it means so much that you guys are tuning in every single week or twice a week <laughs> to um, build upon your running IQ. And joining me for today's episode is great nonetheless, whether you have a calf or Achilles issue or if you're looking to reduce your risk of these injuries occurring in the future, the this knowledge throughout this episode is going to... Um, help you with both of those, both those scenarios. We have Luke Nelson. Luke is a sports and exercise Cairo. Um, he's also the president of the Sports Cairo Australia. And I've been following him for a long time. Actually went to one of his seminars a couple of, couple of years ago now. Um, just love the stuff he's doing, love the information he's putting out there. And I follow him very closely on social media and just all the stuff he talks about. He just... Nails it on the head. Um, we're very like-minded. We've both got. We're both serving a very similar goal in terms of educating runners, and so it was a long time coming. But it was great to have him on, and no doubt I'll have him on again in the future. And yeah, today we talk about what the main causes are when it comes to calf and Achilles injuries. What's the most effective management? And we answer a few of your patron questions as well around collagen supplementation, around. Um, the most effective exercises to do, some exercises around plyometrics, end-stage rehab exercises, which could also be done as for a preventative kind of purpose. So like I said, these past few interviews that I've been doing have just been absolutely jam-packed. This is no exception. So let's bring him on now. It's my pleasure to introduce Luke Nelson. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Brody. It's a uh, great to join you as a, as a long-time listener and uh, first-time <laughs> caller, as, the, as they say. I've, uh, yes, I've been following you from, from episode one, uh, and uh, so it's been, yeah, learned plenty over that time, and it's great to, uh, great to see you. you're still, uh, you know, still going strong after, after so many episodes. Brilliant, mate. Well, um, likewise, I've been following your content for a very, very long time, and it's just nice to see other health professionals out there just spreading the right information. So, uh, it's good. I'm I'm happy to have you on. It's it's um, I'm fortunate enough to interview people like you. So, for those who aren't familiar, uh, can you maybe just give an introduction about yourself, your um, qualifications, and yeah, we'll take it off from there. Absolutely. Well, I'm a, a sports chiropractor, sports and exercise chiropractor. So I've been in uh, private practice for, uh, this will be now 17, 18, 18 years. Um, 
over that time I've yeah got more and more involved in sports and and found myself getting more and more involved in in running uh, as my passion in, in running grew I've sort of been I guess a, a runner for the last uh, probably the last 11 years and in that time I've done five marathons I'm training for my sixth I've done a couple of Ironman triathlons and uh, and an ultra as well so uh, and yeah especially the last probably the last few years actually I've just really really fallen in love with running and, and so it's something that I love to do myself and and uh, and surround myself with with plenty of runners in in practice and, and helping them to uh, achieve their, their running goals as well similar to uh, similar to yourself Great work. And you also have another particular interest around the calf Achilles complex. It, was that something you just naturally had an interest for or how'd that come about? Yeah, it's probably, uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly my, my favorite, uh, favorite muscle. If you, you ask me what it, what it is, it would be the uh, soleus, one of those calf muscles, but it's probably uh, come from uh, just, I guess, my progression and learning more about runners and, and seeing more runners at the appreciation of just, uh, just how, important a muscle it does and and uh and, and all the things that it that it can do um you know for runners it's it's uh you know it does a huge amount of work at you know about six six point seven to eight point seven times body weight of, of force is uh from that that uh, well quoted um tim dawn study uh it also does a lot of a lot of other things as well in terms of um you know helping to uh to to offload the knee so it sort of forms an important role in knee issues and and acl um it can control the achilles load so yeah it probably just came from more an appreciation of that and just you know immersing myself in in uh, in learning and there's some fantastic people out there to uh, to learn from so it's it's something that's sort of grown over, over time and it traditionally you know you used to think that you know i've been told that oh it's all running's all all in the hips and and uh and and as i say no it's it's all in the all in the calves <laughs> <laughs> yeah well if we go purely off force and relation to body weight that's absolutely the case and i couldn't think of a better person to have this chat about uh, is there i guess a lot of runners would be asking the question if they have developed a calf or achilles issue or they're worried about getting it in the future um some common underlying factors or common potential causes for this injury um has the research shown or have you found in your clinical experience any common denominators with that yeah, so it's it's something that um, you know we see, uh, and I see you know a large large volume of runners in the practice, but also see a lot of um, people that are in uh, doing field sports. So over here, that would be soccer, also known as football, um, and then we've got our Australian rules, and, and it's certainly a uh, a common uh, injury in those field sports. In fact, in in our Australian rules football, it's the second most soft uh, second most common soft tissue injury behind a, behind a hamstring. So certainly see a lot with those, and that tends to be you see that more in in more explosive sprinting change of direction movements um, but then in our runners um, it, it's actually the most common soft tissue injury there so in, in, in long distance runners we don't tend to see don't tend to see hamstring uh, belly injury so much you can see tendon problems but in uh, in the, uh, the runners it tends to be more more calf uh, calf related and and, uh, and that can be just due to the, the pure volume that, that the calf is is asked to do uh, in terms of you know the the, the duration that, that they're running for um, um, and also the fact that you know we mentioned before those those um, the, the figures of, of force that the body needs to handle, but also the rate at which that needs to happen because you know we're only on the ground for you know 0.25 to 0.3 a second, and, and so that the calf really has to be really quite explosive in doing that. So it's it's quite an amazing and again sort of you know my love for the calf muscle in that the amount of work and and how explosive it needs to be. So unfortunately, as um, as we age, uh, we do lose you know we do lose strength, and that's probably one of the, um, the 
a big um, uh, risk factors um, for, uh, for for calf injuries, and uh, that's why it has in the past been called old man old man calf um, for uh, when uh, when you get the older runner, the masters runner, come in um, with a, with a calf injury. So it does get more common with age. Now, obviously, you can't do anything about about age. Um, you can't slow that down, but um, certainly the the age related um, you know uh, sarcopenia and changes in muscle strength you can. So so strength is certainly something that we we always encourage. I know you're a big uh, big advocate of that for uh, for runners as well. So that's something we, we look at is we look at um, you know calf strength being uh, being a risk. Um, the other things in terms of uh, previous injury history. So if you've had a calf injury, unfortunately you're more likely to suffer suffer one. Uh, and whether there's you know as part of that whether there's a fact or have you actually properly rehabilitated that you know the, the first time because um, that's not uncommon to see that if someone's had an injury that they haven't really looked after it the first time. So then it's going to happen again and again if they haven't addressed those factors. Um, and also as you you know as you talk about too, it's the it's the multifactorial nature of, of injury. So you've got things like you know your genetic makeup. Unfortunately, people are more prone to developing soft tissue injuries. Uh, you've got your training loads, obviously an important one. So trying to avoid those. Uh, those those training peaks um, you've got your strength which we mentioned before uh, and then even things like your, your biomechanics so there's always sort of you know contributors from from different uh, different um, areas there but probably the one that's the, the two that are the big standout from the literature is previous injury history and uh, and also um, the your age okay and I guess dissecting that a little bit it's I know we talk about overload injuries and that sort of stuff very frequently on the podcast but this particular if we're talking about the calf and the achilles it's not underestimating or appreciating the load or the demand that is required of even if it is not explosive but long distance um the not only the forces required but also the rate of production Mm. um and mainly talking about like calf injuries in general it's just overloaded in most cases just due to like you say all of those um, factors that are involved it might be running technique it might be terrain yep. but most certainly running volumes and your overall capacity and your overall strength and power absolutely yeah there's there's all those things to consider and, and that's where i you know we take a, a very holistic approach to to uh to these injuries is that you've got to figure out in you know the runner that's in front of you with that uh, with that calf injury, what have it, what have been the contributing factors for, for them? And so you know we like to spend quite a bit of time chatting to the runner and figuring out you know what their training's like, what their, their previous injury history, you know even if they've had a, a previous knee or an ankle injury, and then that can then you know if that hasn't been properly looked after, then turning into into something else. So it's really important to sort of capture that information, and then when it comes to the, the physical assessment, then going through and doing a lot of different uh, different tests to, to see you know what are what is the capacity of that calf and, and Achilles like and you know what's their, pl- their plyometric ability like as well too and then then I guess it's then formulating a, a plan for, uh, for for that uh, that that individual that's in the, in front of us mm. how about running technique because we know that people sit on different camps of like heel striking to midfoot striking and the differences between the two may I don't know you can tell me requires a different amount of force for the calf Achilles complex and is it recommended like one particular running technique over another if someone does have this injury or has repeated this injury multiple times? Well, I think it, it's, um, and again, it comes down to assessing the run in front of you. Like if, if we're finding, and, and I had a case like this recently where he was having a lot of calf issues and um, we assessed his running technique and he was 
running on his forefoot and I'm like well you know is that something you've you've always done he's like oh no I read somewhere that that's what I, I need to do so and he was running he was running on his toes like his his heels were not touching the ground so he was basically running on his tiptoes and I'm like well stop doing that um so we actually changed him back to a you know a flatter foot placement and uh you know we don't often we don't often play around with foot with foot strike it, it can it can you can see change with it but this guy certainly needed that to uh, needed that to, to happen so we brought that down and that was part of his uh you know of his rehab for, for his calf issues um it's it's probably in terms of uh that that's probably a big one um but not many people do that that's pretty rare like i, I you know that that's happened you know recently but it, it wouldn't happen many other times that you'd see someone that obvious running on their on their tiptoes um if a runner is a, a four foot runner and again that's not that common you know dealing with less than 10 percent of runners are, would be classified even even you know some studies even showing less than you know than, than two three percent of uh, runners being four foot four foot landing um if they've got a long history of calf and achilles issues then that's something that we may sort of change and just back off a little bit there just to take a bit of load a load off on that um, although the, the flip side of that, sometimes with calf and Achilles issues, if, if you're seeing a runner that's, uh, you know, that may, may display other particular faults, like they've got a really obvious overstride and a really long low cadence, well, there could be justification for, for changing, changing that as well and sort of optimising their, uh, their, their running technique a bit. But it's, it's sort of, again, it's not like you don't see one particular fault with, a, you know, with a, someone with a calf or Achilles issue. Um, it's just more like, well, let's look at it. Does it need changing? No, that's pretty good. Let's let's have a look at something else. Is it more a strength issue or is it training load issue and and, and going from there? So it's not a blanket, yeah, you've got this condition, therefore, you know, the, the cookbook recipe of, yeah, well, then you need to do this, this and this, this for it. So it's something that, yeah, I, I do change. I probably, um, probably don't don't sort of uh if you look at something like more knee pain i'd probably tend to uh to make more running technique modifications i would for that than i would for for calf and achilles and that's not on purpose it's probably just you know my clinical reasoning in in terms of what i'm seeing and, and what uh how changing that will uh will improve their uh, their condition yeah I just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know i have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge this is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. I'd agree with that as well because if you haven't had a dramatic change in your running technique, like um, the exception being that example you just described, mm. you've you're used to running that way, you know, for years. And so your body's just going to be used to tolerating that. But what might be a sudden change would be strength, mm. like demands, like you say, training loads. But it's so easy to overload the calf with, say, changing terrain, doing some hill work, increasing your speed, doing some intervals. Like those sort of things are really, really high demand that can be quite abrupt. You can change that next week, but your running technique stays the same the entire time. So, yeah. um whether there's a discussion, whether if with all best efforts, you're still having some issues around reoccurring calf injuries and you are a four foot striker mm. and you've tried everything is still recurring, then maybe it's warranted to start something but yeah yeah like you say the the tailored conversation needs to be had absolutely that's right in terms of the you know the, the hierarchy i'm always like if we're seeing someone you know quite low on their on their strength uh, measures in their strength test and that's that's what we're really going to chase after uh, chase after that because um arguably that's going to help them not just with their their problem there but also as an improved performance as well too
Mm. Have you seen many mistakes, whether that being on like social media or clients mm. you've seen and that sort of stuff around having a calf strain and trying to rehab it, trying their best and just having some really common mistakes? Do you often see? Yes, um, yes, unfortunately, unfortunately we do. So uh, that's usually how they end up uh, end up in the uh, in the clinic because they have made some uh, made some mistakes. So, um, and I've, I've sort of written about this uh, about this before about some of the uh, the common things that we'll see people uh, not do right. Um, and the first one is they do nothing. Um, so they just think, oh yeah, bit of bit of rest will bit of rest will do it. Um, you know, I'll, or maybe I've done my two weeks, uh, three weeks. I'll, I'll just go back to running now. Uh, that's probably the the first one, uh, and that's a, a pretty sure way to find yourself in a, in a downward spiral if you, if you get through that you've been pretty lucky uh, but generally what's happening after you know after a period of rest is you've got uh, you might have some some tissue repairing but it's it's uh, you know that it's not going to be as strong as what it could be and you're losing strength you're losing fitness in that time um, so it, it's a yeah it's a real uh, sure way to find yourself in a, in a downward spiral of, of injury and and uh, and and wasting away uh, that's the first one the, the second one is is oh uh, yeah just you know a few body weight just done a few body weight calf raises and, and, and you know that'll that'll get it sorted out. Um, we know from there's been multiple studies and I, I put a post up recently on a, um, a study by uh, Baxter from last year that looked at it compared the different um, the different uh, loading rates and, and the uh, the amount of force that certain activities um, uh, produce uh, and comparing that to walking and running. Uh, and if we sort of have a look at the at the spectrum and, and uh, you know our, our listeners can can have a look at that, but but you know we've got uh, a single leg calf raise is pretty much just below walking. Um, so if you can walk, um, a calf raise is not really going to do a lot for a body weight calf raise is not really going to do a lot for in terms of building that um, building the, uh, the, the the loading peak and the loading rate. And so what you need to then look to do from that is you need to be looking at either weighting up those calf raises um, and I say either but actually both loading up the calf raises uh, and then probably going on to the, the next step is plyometrics and I'm a big fan of, of plyometrics for runners especially when we're dealing with the uh, with the calf and the Achilles um, because the only way to um, and again looking at this uh, at this graph that we've got running at the very at the very end but that something that even exceeds that is is hopping so hopping is a, is a really you know good and simple simple exercise exercise that our runners can do and that actually does exceed the demands of, of um, from the the loading peak and the loading rate on the uh, on the Achilles and the, and the calf so um, yes I, I'm a big fan of, of progressing on from that so don't just stick with a, with a, a body weight calf raise and think that that's going to be enough to do it you need to be loading it up uh, and then you also need to then be progressing that rehab onto um, onto uh, to, to those plyometrics and those more demanding uh, activities um, mm. The other thing that we find too is that you know using a, a time-based versus criteria-based rehab. So time-based meaning that oh, I've done my calf four weeks, I'll be back, I'll be back running. Uh, whereas criteria-based is well, have you achieved this, this, and this? You know, have you got to this level of strength, the symmetry? Have you been able to do this hopping? You've been able to do this jumping? And, and so we sort of use some criteria um, based along the way to say tick, 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 tick. Yes, you're right to run, and then you know progressing then from from speed onto that. So. So I'm a big fan of criteria, criteria-based uh, running, and that's where I, you know, I love to do objective tests. So tests that give us a number and and, uh, and give us some data, so we can sort of say, well, you're here, you need to be here. Let's work and close that, close that gap, uh, and then you're ready to, uh, then you're ready to, to get out there and run. 
Um, and uh, and then probably the last the last sort of area that we see people do is they uh, do, they do too much soon, too soon. So they get back and they think, oh yeah, I've got to make up now for the, the three weeks that I've missed. I've got to catch up and, and bang bang bang. And and that's something we're always quite cautious of. So we always work with you know the, the runners coach if they've got one or otherwise planning that that build back in that you just sort of got to say to the runner, look. You've, you missed this amount of time, you're not gonna catch that up, um, but let's just now, we'll build back into your, into your training and, and, uh, you know, and make sure that we make a successful return because the last thing you want is for a re-injury because if you, you, know, if you have, have, a, have a re-injury, then you go all the way back to square one and adding more time generally for a, for a second injury. So you really wanna try and avoid that wherever, you, wherever you possible. Um, so it's just that, that, uh, that progressive um, load up when you, uh, when you get them back to running. So a couple of mistakes there, one being complete rest, two being just feeling like body weight calf raises would suffice, and the other one being just returning too quickly, maybe having a a lack in a rehab management plan Mm. and not sticking to the management plan and then um, reoccurring that injury or flaring up that injury and um, taking a few steps back. One thing that you mentioned with the the hopping, I actually had this discussion with a client yesterday. They were saying that, running's fine for my injury, but when I hop, that actually produces symptoms. Mm. And I said, I told this person, yes, well, while running is a, a lower demand, we want to get to the point where you're actually like, you can hop mm. like really confidently, really st- forcefully, a lot of strength and feel confident on both sides, because that is just like the next level above running. Because if you can't produce if symptoms are produced with hopping, you can easily overdo the running. Yeah, maybe running for 15 minutes is okay, but maybe 30 minutes, like you can easily overdo it unless you address something that's a little bit more challenging, a little bit more demanding than running. Safeguard yourself that way and become more resilient. And so I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, that, that study shows that it, like hopping actually is more demanding through that calf and Achilles. I hundred percent agree with you, and that, that's that, that's the exact same um, you know description and, and explanation that I've given runners before as well too. Is that making sure that we're we're doing you know, things that uh, increasing that demand of, of what's uh, doing things greater than what running is. And the good thing with that is it can also give them confidence too. You know, sometimes you get those runners that have had a lot of recurring issues and you know that are hesitant to get back to running, and you can say to them and say, "Look, you've just done you've done more than what what running is is uh, is is asking of you. You know, you're ready to go." So it can give them that confidence knowing that they can tick that off. There's certain instances where and I've got I've got a runner at the moment actually, and and uh, we're, we're over in in Melbourne at the moment. You know, just under three weeks out from from uh, Melbourne Marathon, and and he's done quite a quite a nasty calf strain, um, and. For him, he's actually we're sort of you know bending the rules somewhat because we just need to get into the uh, to the race, um, and so we can't actually uh, um, you know do things that are that are really pushing a demand. We we can't go too much above running because it's just gonna is gonna fry him, um, and so we're sort of again this all comes down to the individual on the basis like what are your goals? Like I just need to get to this race. I just need to do this. Okay, well you have a discussion with them and saying look this is risky, but this is you know what what we'll do. So I probably shouldn't say that because now every runner's going to go out thinking oh stuff I don't need to do this I'm just going to plow on but that's certainly the exception and not and not the rule so it's always uh you know there's always these uh you know to the discussion with with the uh the, the runner in front of you um but um yeah sometimes you need to, to bend things a little bit but uh but by and all yeah we want to be exceeding that exceeding the demands you know uh, during our during our rehab mm. I like having the discussion of risk versus reward and that way if something does happen, injuries arise or there's a flare-up, hey, that's the risk that we've mm. chosen 
and at least they can deal with it mentally as well as physically a little bit better rather than being really annoyed themselves because they've laid out, you've, you've had that informed like decision and you've had all the possibilities and you say, look, this is the likelihood if we try and do this and they say, yep, I want to commit to it. This is really what I want to do. If the, if successful, whatever the odds may be, um, I'm willing to take on that risk. Uh, that's yeah. I, I, do enjoy having that discussion because it, it helps both parties, helps the, the professional, the health professional, the coach, the, the athlete. And um, yeah, really nice. When it comes to treating the calf or the Achilles, like it is the same structure, mm. but different properties. When it comes to like management principles and treatment principles, does it differ too much or how would you change the management? Um, in, in terms of different between it between an Achilles or a calf, but uh, issues. Yeah. Uh, in a way, in a way, no, because you're sort of always you're always guided by by what the runner can do, uh, and and you know from what you what your assessment has told you. So you're sort of always going to, and this is you know again I, I take what's called an impairments based approach in that you know you look at what they're deficient in and then you work on that. And so uh, take for a Achilles or a calf, you know you might find they've actually got quite good strength but they've got poor plyometric ability so you know we do use tests like a, a drop hop test and, and that sort of thing and, and so you might sort of say well look actually for you we don't need to spend a lot of time on strength but we need to we need to spend um, quite a bit on that on developing that plyometric and that uh, that um, stretch shortening cycle utilizing that so in one way it's 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 there's, there's not um, I mean the, the function of the, the, the obviously the calf becomes the Achilles so they are very intertwined and, and that's where sort of you know you find yourself doing a lot of a lot of similar things um, um, for, uh, you know, for, for you know, when you're treating a calf versus when you're treating Achilles. There can be certain little things that, that can go along with, you know, with treating an Achilles tendon, um, uh, you know, things like I'm, I'm probably more inclined to use things like heel lifts for Achilles versus for, for calf strains. Um, calf strains obviously uh, uh, tend to be more short-term short -term thing, whereas, you know, Achilles tendons can be, you know, you're dealing with them for, for months and, and to sort of get them, get them under control. So there are differences in terms of how the, the pain behaves. I'm also more inclined to, to have pain with uh, an Achilles tendon, whereas I don't like so much pain on when rehabbing from a calf injury. Um, the reason being is that the calves are, are often very poor. They're not, they're not very, especially the deep calf and the soleus, they're not very nerve rich. And so they, they often don't give you the, the sensation that, that say other muscles will like a hamstring. And this is where, you, where you'll see in your runner, like, you know, when someone's done a hamstring, you usually know it's like, you know, what we call the sniper effect, like someone's been shot in the back of the leg and, you know, they, they're grabbing, grabbing their leg. You know, you look at the 100 metres uh, in the Olympics and, and there are a few cases of, of that. Whereas a calf, it can often be like, you can sometimes get that too. It's just like, bang, yep, I felt it. Versus sometimes it's like, mm, something feels a bit funny around there. Um, I don't know what's happened. Oh, I'm just going to keep running. And then it might not get sore to the next day. And that's where for the runner, it can actually be a bit confusing because they can sometimes it's just like oh my calf just feels tight like it's not sore but it just feels tight and tight all the time and just around an area so I'm not so inclined to, to push into into pain with that with those um, just because then they, they don't give a very accurate
accurate um, feedback. Um, whereas Achilles, I'm, I'm more inclined to sort of, you know, go around with that, that four or five out of 10, it's okay to, uh, okay to do that. Um, so that's probably probably the, the you know the, the, one of the main differences through there. But otherwise, it's still you know you're still taking them through. You're still going an impairments based approach. You're still doing a progressive rehab. You know, working your way up from you know from your isometrics to your, your isotonics to your your, um, your plyometrics as well. Um, so there's a lot. Yeah, there are a lot of similarities between the between managing those conditions. Yeah. And like you say, pretty much like with any injury, no matter what it is, you just work out the deficits, work out, do some functional tests and see where their deficits lie and then just base the rehab on that and create that that rehab ladder from start to finish. So, you know, whether it's your calf, the Achilles or like knee pain, it's all the the similar tests, the same functions. We want to get back to running. These are what the demands require and let's see where the deficits lie and let's get you towards that. So Overall, taking a, a, a bit of a wider scope, it, it all is quite similar. Mm. But yeah, I do like a couple of those differences around pain tolerance and um, expectations, those sort of things. That's really nice. Yeah. Do you have any of your favorite um, end stage exercises? Um, I know you mentioned, say, like the, the jumping or the skipping or... Um, that kind of stuff. Any others that you that you prefer in your list? Yeah, so I've got some here. As I said, I'm a big fan, big fan of the plyometrics. So we use use a lot of those. Um, I mean, one of my favourite ones is. I mean, you can get sort of uh, pogo pogo jumps are really nice, nice one, and you can start to use them from from early on. Just doing, um, you know, just little little jumps on the spot. You know, building up to explosive, you know, maximal maximal height jumps. You know, only six or eight reps of those in a, in a row. Uh, really get that um, get the, the the toes pointing up and really slapping down on the ground. So I, I love love pogos. You can use those um, quite a bit. Uh, I like also a uh, particular drill that um, I learnt from um, from Andy King over in Ireland, actually, which is a sort of a two hop forward, one hop back. So it's sort of almost like a single pogo. So what you're doing is you standing on one leg and you do two hops forward and then one hop backward, and then you keep going. You're just doing continuously, um, and it works really well because that sudden hop backwards and then and then propelling yourself forward is really good demand on that calf and. It because it's a sudden deceleration and then having to to push yourself forward and so with that one you can do it quite small to begin with and then as you get better at it you can you can do greater distances so that's another one I like um, drop hops are a good one or drop jumps doing from a just from a height of a step um, working on that getting really nice and explosive and, and uh, you know short contact on the ground really trying to get up as, as high as you can um, and then going up to sort of things like uh, bounding and hop for distance and, and triple hop for distances as well so linking those hops together um, really getting those explosives uh, running drills I, I like sort of you know incorporating some running drills early on so whilst they might not be able to run you can do things like some you know some a skips and some some straight leg skips as well just to get the uh, get the calves uh, calves going and keep that uh, keep that motor patterning and you know potentially working on some some running technique issues whilst they're whilst they're sort of coming back from the uh, the calf injury um, and then the other other terms of more running specific stuff I love stair running so stair running is great for um, for uh, for calves um, both actually up and down so because down and, and, and anyone that's uh, you know that's done a, done a big run and, and uh, any of those that have done a marathon you'll know how much uh, how much stairs hurt you the uh, the day after both going up and down them and that's because it actually requires quite a bit of calf work to get you up and up and down those stairs so so I'll often get uh, get people running you know doing some running up and then some uh, some actually can sort of some 
sometimes go slow downstairs, even even holding weight. So you can do like some carries going down downstairs slow. So downstairs slow, and then and then upstairs uh, upstairs quickly. Um, and actually, backwards running is another one too. So backwards running is uh, is, a, is is one that you can uh, you can use. Um, if we look at what the calves are, you know, in, in normal forwards running, the calves give us pretty much the the vast majority of our propulsion forward. So if we put that in reverse, what they're doing is they actually acting a bit like a brake. So it sort of um, can work them what we call eccentrically. So um, so yeah, you can you can mix it up a little bit and do a little bit a little bit backward running, and that that can be good for um, those in field sports as well that have to do that. As, as part of their uh, their sport, um, as runners, there's probably not many times we find ourselves running running backwards. Um, you hope not, um, but it still can be quite a good one just to mix things up a little bit. And, and you will feel it's a good one for the quads as well too, because it's again it's using the the quads to propel you and the calves to sort of you know as as the uh, as the brakes. Um, so I just make sure that there's nothing that, there's no one behind you when you're uh, when you're doing it. You don't <laughs> run into uh, into something there. Um, and uh, probably the other one as well too is uh, some some end stage uh, exercises, sled sled pushes um, so a lot of gyms don't have access to to those but if you you know if you've got one and you've got access to one then then they can be really good so nice heavy slow um, uh, sled pushes can really work those uh, work that calf and calf and Achilles plenty there um, yeah. we, we got into some um, patron questions we'll get to more in a second but Amy asked if you could choose one player exercise what would it be so out of those lists um what's your particular one favorite i, I like the pogos i think i think you can you know they're, they're really good one because you can you can start off with them uh, and then you can work them to, to being a very high level as well so they can you know you could really work on those for, for months and months and still be getting uh, still be getting better at them so i'll go go double leg double leg uh, pogos because they're not again they're not really you know just demanding on your balance um but um yeah that's my that's my pick great and before we get into some more patron questions, I because I feel like calf injuries are the ones that can be quite repetitive. Mm. Like people have them two or three times a year in some cases. Um, if that is happening to someone, do you have like a checklist or something you really want to um, test out or go through in order to make sure that like they're, they're covering all their bases and doing so safely? Absolutely, yeah. And as we mentioned early on, so, you know, there's a number of, of objective tests that, that I like to use um, um, to, to determine, you know, are you, have you got sufficient strength? Are you ready to ready to go back? Um, the, the easiest one for, for people to do at home themselves is the uh, the single leg calf raise to fatigue test. So I know you, you've spoken about that so many times in, in your podcast, but it's a, it's a really good one where you just get um, uh, up against a wall, single leg, and you're just raising up as high, you know, as high as you can. Get someone, a couple of tips with that. If you're doing that um, on yourself, get someone to, to hold a ruler above your head and make sure that you're getting nice full height calf raises there um, because otherwise you can get um, you, know, you can cheat and just do half reps and, and get twice as uh, twice as many so just what I what I'll do is I'll get people to raise up on both feet get a marker so with the ruler above the head there drop down switch to the single leg and then start uh, start going through the reps um, also doing that with a metronome too as well as another another little bit of a, a tip there so making sure that because sometimes what you'll find is that people will just try and bang them out as quickly as they can and uh, they'll be using a lot of that spring and recoil whereas you actually want nice slow controlled sort of going up one second down one second so um, so setting a, a metronome to 60 beats per minute can uh, can help with that uh, with that 
Um, so that's one. So getting uh, getting that calf strength and what we want to see there, just generally across the board, is you know 25 plus 25 reps um, and no more than 10% difference from side to side. So sometimes what we see is that runners might get above 25, but if they've got a 35 on one side and a, and a 26 on on the other, and that's their injured side, well we could sort of say, well yeah, that needs it. That needs a bit of work. We need to get that uh, get that up to scratch. So that's the calf raise to fatigue test. Um, the other one as well too is, uh, I mean, we've got force plates and stuff that we use in in, um, in clinic and, and we like to test a, um, a seated calf raise, so a seated uh, um, isometric calf raise and we like to see a, a one and a half times body weight being able to put on that. It's a bit hard to, to replicate. You can do it in the gym as a, doing it as a rep max. It's a little bit hard, a little bit fiddly to do. So that's probably something that we, you know, we just use in, internally in, in clinic um, and that's a good test of maximal strength and so we've got our calf raise that does our strength endurance we've got our maximal strength and the other one in terms of um, more explosive strength is is looking at things like a drop hop so you know how long they're spending on the ground um, dropping off the step and then jumping up in the air you can measure that. You can do that at home yourself. I mean, for the clinicians out there, you can get apps. Um, my jump, my jump, and my jump two are some some handy apps that you can you can measure that with if you don't have access to uh, to force plates. For the everyday runner out there, it's it's you know you can, you can do it. They're not hard to do. The app's about twenty bucks, so it's not not that expensive. But um, that's something you can test as well yourself. Is testing that ground contact time and see how how long you're spending there. Um, so again, we like to see nice and quick ground contact times and of under 0.3 seconds and and no difference from uh, no greater than 10% from side to side. Um, other checklists as well too to go through is, is um, uh, you know, can you jump, can you hop, can you jump onto, uh, jump onto a step um, and, and land from the step? Can you then progress from hopping onto the step and then landing from the step? And so usually like, and we've got this checklist that we'll sort of go through to, to determine if you're ready, but if you can get through, get through all those things, um, the other one being a single leg hop for distance as well. So our, and our listeners can try that where you stand on one leg, hop as far as you can, and then compare to, uh, to the the other side um, there's some good tests to really see we'll look at have I have I got the uh, the desired qualities that I that I need I really like that ruler test like just having that during your single leg calf raises because I know I get people to do the tests themselves at home and they mm-hmm. come back with their reports and they say yeah I could do 45 on each side yes. and I reckon they can probably get to about five yeah. when it comes they drop their quality really quickly that's, yeah, and so it can be a good eye opener exactly right the, um, there's actually another um, um, for our listeners too there's, a, there's an app on the, uh, on the market called uh, Calf calf raise I think it's actually called calf actually I, I use it quite a bit now but um, it was developed by um, a researcher Kim Herbert Lozier um, over in uh, Waikato Uni over in New South Wales and um, New Zealand but um, and she's done a lot of the she did the, the strength normals for the uh, single leg uh, calf raise test but this app what it does it's pretty cool it's free uh, it's only on uh, Apple unfortunately but what you can do is you actually you'll need someone to film you doing it but you put a little mark underneath the outside of your uh, your ankle uh, and you just get someone to film you doing these raises and what this app does is it actually tracks tracks your this little dot and so it actually will measure um, the, the distance at which you're traveling and then it will add all that up and it, you put in your body weight so it tells you, converts to you know how much power you're able to, to put out through there. So it's actually a really good one to do. You can set that up yourself, like just set it up on the floor in a position and, and record yourself doing it and uh, and you can use that as a, as a measure as well. And that one there is not as important that you get the full height because it'll just measure, it'll measure how, how, how much you're doing. Um, but um, you know, that's, a, that's the, for the tech heads out there and people that love their data, it's a, it's a really, uh, really good one. Um, and uh, but for the rest of us, then the uh, the, the, the good old uh, calf raise with the ruler does uh, does a good job. 
I'm going to try that out for sure. That sounds like fun. Yeah, uh, yeah it, is, right. it, is, it is good. Yeah, and it's got the inbuilt metronome in it as well too. So it beeps out and tells you when you're uh, when to go and when you know when to go up and when to go down. So they've, they've done a good job nice. of it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Um, some more patron questions. Holly asks, is collagen supplementing uh, worth trying for Achilles tendinopathy, particularly for a master's runner? Do you know much about yes, that? Yes, yes. I'd say yes. So um, that's something that um, um, we've actually been using for the last uh, last couple of years. Uh, I've been sort of hearing about it over the years from different sports dietitians and, and different uh, different clinicians in at seminars that had mentioned that, you know, that they'd been using collagen for even for soft tissue strains and, and tendinopathy. Uh, and I've been hearing it over and over again. And then there was a, a study um, produced by the AIS a couple of years ago that looked at um, at supplementing collagen with um, uh, for those with Achilles tendon issues and, and did found that it made a significant change. Um, and that was probably the catalyst for me. I'm like, once I read that study, I'm like, okay, look, let's give this a go. Um, so I've been using it using it then mainly for tendinopathies. Um, I know a lot of the sports clubs use it for, for uh, calf strains and, and or for soft tissue strains as well. Um, so if anything, you, you really want to accelerate your recovery from, from an injury, then, then definitely popping that. Um, and so the idea with the, with the collagen there is, you know, you, you, you ideally take it um, for 30 to 60 minutes before exercise, um, trying to take it with a source of vitamin C. It just helps a little bit better with, with the absorption there. Um, and, uh, and the dosage is, well, look anywhere from one heap teaspoon up to sort of three or four heap teaspoons actually. So that it does sort of, the recommendations does, does differ. Um, but, um, that is something that is worth a try. Uh, it tends to be pretty well tolerated. I've, I've never had anyone that's had any GI issues or anything with it. So it's, it doesn't, it's pretty tasteless. So you can put it in anything, you know, put it in your orange juice to get that vitamin C, um, uh, hit there. And, uh, so yeah, I, I would say, I'd say yes, give it a, uh, give it a go nice wow um i'm learning something every day uh (laughs) joanne (laughs) yeah joanne's last last patron and asks um can a calf injury lead to soreness behind the knee or or vice versa is pain behind the knee can that be caused by the calf muscle uh so it's it's uncommon but but it could uh the the calf does go especially the the upper calf muscle the the gastrocnemius does go up and attaches does attach behind the knee so you've got sort of the two two tendons on the the uh the inside and the outside of the knee that go up there and you can have injuries to those um those, those tendons up behind the knee there it is pretty rare it's probably more common if we're sort of, you know, looking at it from a statistics point of view, it's probably more common that the back and knee pain is caused from something else. So whether that's from the knee itself, whether there's something internally in the knee, like a meniscal injury there, whether there's um, uh, Baker's cyst, uh, whether there's popliteal involvement there, um, pezan serine, um, you know, that the hamstring tendons attached down there or, or even the tibial nerve, so nerve involvement. So there's quite a few things around that area that, that can give back of knee pain. And that's where sort of seeing a, a uh, you know, a, a health professional that deals with runners, it can help you sort that out. But in short, yes, it could, um, but it's not that common to, uh, to do that. Yeah, I think in my experience as well, if something's behaving very muscularly and it is behind the knee, um, <clears throat> I agree. It's it's rarely the calf. It can mm. be very rare, but mm. I think the popliteus muscle is usually the most common that I've seen that sort of behaves like a muscle strain and mm. it's directly behind the knee. Um, yep. So yeah, I'd, I'd agree fully with that one. Yeah. As we wrap up, are there any other misconceptions around calf strains or calf rehab or treatments that you often come across that that we haven't discussed yet? 
Uh, probably the only other thing would be would be shoes um, in terms of what um, you know what what should you what should you wear and you know should you modify modify shoes. I think that um, that uh, what we'll tend to do is um, when people have sustained a calf injury, we will tend to get them when they're returning to running, um, getting their, their higher drop shoes. Um, so you know a lower drop a lower drop shoe. So you know we're talking below sort of six mil, um, six and, and zero would be a zero drop shoe. Uh, we tend to try and get them, yeah, to, to wear whatever they've got that's higher. So whether that's eight, whether that's 10, whether that's, you know, 12, 12 mil there, just to sort of offload things a little bit there. Um, I think one of the other things that's, that's also quite useful these days, and I'm using quite a bit more, uh, are the super shoes, um, you know, your, your carbon plated shoes. And, and I'm a big fan of them. I've got uh, got a couple of pair myself. And, and um, uh, sometimes coming back, and if you're pushing things a little bit, like you're trying to really get back for a, uh, for a race or, or you're just trying to nurse them, through a, an Achilles flare-up, then using these uh, these plated shoes can actually be quite uh, quite useful. Um, and uh, runners are often quite happy to hear that they get to uh, they get to use their uh, use their, their special shoes, their Aperflies or or, uh, or other other brands um, on every run. And I'm not usually a fan of that. I, I do like people mixing up their shoes and, and trying to keep those those shoes more for more for sessions. But they do offload, and, and I've found this anecdotally in myself, and also with runners, they do make it easier on that uh, on that calf and the Achilles, and and so they do offload offload that a little bit so if they're feeling a bit beaten up then um, then switching to those for a, for a short period of time um, can 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 work quite uh, quite well so that's probably uh, probably the other thing um, and the other one is just yeah making sure that you know with those mistakes that we, we spoke about that you're not not victim to uh, to those those four mistakes you know making sure that you uh, that you do those you, you, you do go to plyometrics making sure that you've got those you know those criteria you've done your strength tests you make sure that you've got that that jump and the, and the hopping there and, and work your way through that um, to uh, to ensure that you make a, uh, a successful return to running. So that's probably probably all to, uh, to to add from that. And I think if there's if they've addressed their strength tests and power tests and they feel quite good and they're still developing calf issues, I think it's probably worth discussing like their training philosophy mm. or their usual like intensity dosages. Maybe they're doing too many hills, too much speed work, too much like maybe their training just needs a little bit of an adjustment here or there. So we're dealing from both the capacity side of things and also like the external load demands side of things as well, like each side of that equation, making sure that's adequate. That's right. And that's, you know, the, the again, it comes down to, you know, the runner that's in, that's in front of you or the runner that you are and, uh, and really taking a step back and sort of saying, well, look, how has my training been? You know, how's my recovery been? Uh, looking at that training stress balance and, and then going through and, and uh, looking at, well, yeah, what are my strengths? And, and really then figuring out from you where to uh, where to go. Um, so, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, you know, taking a step back and getting someone to review all those those things for you and, and work out a, a plan then going uh, going forwards yeah and i do agree with the shoes as well because i think it, it works in a couple of ways if you had a way to offload the calf and achilles slightly enough so that you can manage higher running loads mm. than you know in your usual shoes and that just does well for everyone you're back to running you're sort of maintaining your levels of fitness you're kind of preserving a lot of the strength for other areas of the body as well and just mentally it's a better recovery experience yeah. and like you say it can be just short term and phase back into your regular running shoes mm. but um is it is 
it works from a lot of different angles in terms of the satisfaction and recovery timeframes as well. Yeah, and probably just also another tip too to add actually on on the um, uh, with tips on when to, when returning to running. Um, so it it often, especially the soleus, um, that lower calf muscle, it doesn't like a long time on feet. So you, you sometimes have to build back in in more sort of interval style running to to begin with um, because it can get sort of fatigued. Uh, also tending to prefer people if they've got like if they're you know got a job where they're standing all day um, for for a calf injury uh, I will get them to run in the morning um, because uh, the standing all day does really fatigue those uh, those calves in fact I mean I was just going showing my age here but you know I was back at uni we were told that soleus its main role was as a postural muscle you know to keep you upright uh, and that was you know back in in the early 2000s and, and now we know that you know it's just it's so much more than that and uh, <laughs> so but it does serve a a role you know it's 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 a slow twitch a lot, a lot of a lot of slow twitch muscle fibers in there as well and it does uh, serve a lot uh, you know a lot works a lot when we're standing so making sure that you're fresh fresh in the morning and just avoiding you know what we say junk time on your on your feet so um you know if you're going back to field sports if you've done your running you know just sit down have a bit of a rest off off feet there um otherwise it can uh, it can fatigue it and then generally we don't like sort of like a lot of a lot of running injuries really in terms of back-to-back runs early on so giving it that day's non-running in between whether that you're doing you, you know whether you're doing your strength or whether you're doing cross training on that day instead and uh and then um before before you start adding back-to-back runs so yeah a couple of tips on on sort of return to running there tons of higher value information there luke if people want to know more if people want to check out your social media because i know you, you deliver a whole bunch of tips and also recent information um recent sort of studies and evidence around these particular injuries um what social media handles do you have and where can they go yeah so most um you find me on uh, on uh, instagram is where i'm most active instagram and and uh and, and twitter um but uh, but mainly instagram is where i'm putting the uh, content through there so that's just at sports at sports Cairo luke you can find me through that otherwise our, our website as well healthhp.com.au is um is where we, we put some blog posts and, and that sort of stuff on there which people can uh, can have a read of um but uh, otherwise yeah more than welcome for uh, for people to uh, shoot us any any messages or any questions they've got on uh, on Instagram. Brilliant, mate. Thank you very much for all you do in the running community. Like I say, I really um, we need to band around these health professionals that are spreading the right information and educating runners the best way that we know how. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge. Thanks, Brady. As I say, a rising tide carries all ships. So it's, it's great to, uh, you know, it's always uh, good to, to support each other. And, and yeah, you're doing some fantastic work. And it's been a, a great honour to, uh, after all these episodes of listening, to actually uh, feature myself. So definitely, uh, definitely a highlight, mate. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being a podcast listener. Very, very dedicated. <laughs> Cheers. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based, long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.